welcome to season 3 episode 2 of mimbal wimbal the harry potter podcast i am prashanthini and i am aishwarya our episode today is called hermione dislikes a teacher we'll be covering chapter 4 the leaky cauldron chapter 5 the dementor and chapter 6 talents and tea leaves let's start with the summary when we last left off hermione had just bought a new pet that ron thoroughly disapproved of The three of them return to the leaky cauldron where they have dinner with the rest of the Weasleys. When Harry is looking for Scabbers' rat tonic post dinner, he accidentally overhears a conversation between Mr. and Mrs. Weasley and finds out that Sirius Black escaped from Azkaban to find and kill him, Harry. Things make a lot more sense after Harry overhears this, but he's not too fussed because surely Black can't be harder to deal with than Voldemort, who he's faced down not once but twice. The next day at the station, Mr. Weasley gives him a warning and tries to get him to promise that he won't go looking for Black. but harry is unable to promise or ask further questions because he has to get on the train harry ron and hermione find the only emptyish compartment on the train empty but for a sleeping new professor to discuss these events however the journey takes a turn for the unexpected when the train lurches to a stop and a black robed figure with a hideous dead looking hand attempts to enter harry hears a woman scream and passes out when he comes to he is ashamed to discover he is the only one who was affected as strongly The shame is just compounded when McGonagall asks to see Harry and Hermione in her office so that Madam Pomfrey can examine Harry and give him a clean bill of health. She just wanted to have a word with Hermione over her class schedule. They go back to the feast. Even though they miss the sorting ceremony, they make it back in time to hear that the sleeping professor is the new defense against the dark arts teacher and that Hagrid will teach care of magical creatures. Everything's pretty great except for the dementors and Malfoy and Harry's glad to be back at Hogwarts. But you know what's not great? Divination. First, Harry and Ron have trouble finding said class. Then the professor predicts that someone will die. Surprise, surprise, it's Harry. Also, Hermione seems really skeptical about the whole thing and doesn't seem to like the professor. Where we last left off in episode 1 was Hermione buys a cat. So, Crookshanks is now a part of our lives, and now Harry who's been in Leaky Cauldron alone for a while now gets to meet Ron's family and gets to have dinner with them and they have a lot of fun he meets percy he meets fred and george he meets mr and mrs weasley we get a little bit of a recap of who they are what their character is really like we are reminded that percy is really a stuck up person and a really pompous person because he is now the head boy we also get reminded that fred and george are fun loving people and they make fun of percy all the time and There is also a reminder for Ginny about how she is very taken with Harry. Given that in the end of the second book, Harry actually saves Ginny from Voldemort's memory. She is even more embarrassed to see him, I guess. And we also get to meet Mr. and Mrs. Weasley who are as always very friendly and very caring. I really like the recap of the Weasleys because it really helps people who just start reading the books with this particular book. get up to speed on what makes each weasley who they are i mean i don't know who starts reading a book series from book 3 but okay i'm sure there are people who do that and people who take some time to go from book 2 to book 3 but there are several things discussion worthy in this particular section of this chapter i feel one of them is i'm curious to know how wizards search for criminals yeah i have written down the same thing how do you put untrained wizards and witches to the task of finding a serial killer who escaped possibly the most deadly and most secure prison ever and passed the azkaban guards i don't know how wizards track criminals it's never really discussed in the books themselves because it's not very relevant to the plot but i'd be curious to know like is there a wizards forensics class is there like a potion is there like a spell 
or combination of things who actually does this and why is everybody involved in it yeah based on what mr weasley says it it felt like the whole of ministry is looking for serious not doing day jobs it's possible i think the wizarding community is not that big and serious is a big enough threat that everybody would rally around this cause and try to catch the guy no including ron i meant i'm actually kind of sad that ron wants to catch black not for like the adventure of it or anything like that but because the money I think it's because the Weasley family just won a lottery and he probably got used to getting easy money or something and I think it's fine Harry Ron and Hermione have just had enough adventure for a lifetime even at the age of 13 years at this stage he would be looking for something like a paid adventure yeah why not they go on so many <laughs> unpaid adventures maybe all three of them would get rewarded with something more than just house points i know for doing something that basically saved the wizarding community as a whole or like special awards to the school that are never mentioned again or no they do get that in the end of book i know two. that's what i meant like they're equivalent to the house points cuz they're never mentioned again and seem to have served no purpose like they don't come <laughs> attached with any kind of benefits like oh you got a special award I'll give you access to the prefix bathroom. No, there's nothing like that. It's just you got a special award. That's it. Yeah, it's sad. It's not even a cash prize. Yes, there's nothing really attached to it. I think the other discussion worthy point in what you mentioned is Ginny. I'm sure Ginny's had a lot of time over the summer to think about how the person she had a crush on for the previous year actually ended up saving her from a big bad and Of course Ginny's crush has just gotten magnified over the summer and she's just gotten like quieter and more embarrassed about it. He saved her life. I don't know if her reaction was because her crush got magnified. I feel like she's genuinely embarrassed that it had to come to that. The person she likes the most in the whole world saw her and caught her doing something that was really terrible and foolish. Yeah, but She couldn't have known any better. Yeah, but at that age, she's going to blame herself no matter what. Fair enough. So I feel like she feels really bad that Harry had to be the person to do it. I think she'd have still been okay if it had been like Dumbledore who swooped in to save the day. But it, yeah. it ended up having to literally be her crush who's like a year older than her. It's quite sad that this moment where he saves her does not lead them to become closer yeah it's clear that harry doesn't view it as a bonding moment for the two of them neither does she i think she does view it as something special which is why she's she has these reactions to him but i don't know if she knows how to connect with him I think her attempts to connect with him are showcased in these set of chapters, right? Like she's hanging around with them when they get on the train, and Ron's the one who says, "Go away, Ginny." Like she thinks that the events of the previous year have brought them closer, but then they're like, when the important stuff comes up, they don't include her. Yeah, and it's clear, at least to us, that yes, they ended up saving Ginny, who was Ron's sister. But the fact that it's Ginny doesn't make any difference to them at all. They would have ended up saving anybody in that circumstance, and it wouldn't have made like any kind of emotional difference to them. I think the fact that it was Ron's sister made a lot of difference. But the point is, at the end of the day, it's not about saving her. It's about Voldemort. It's about his memory, and Harry is consumed by what happened with Voldemort more than what happened with Ginny. because when he finds out that Sirius Black is after him he has this inner monologue where he thinks he's been pretty good at taking care of himself and he's met Voldemort twice now and both times he's come across as someone who's stronger and who's defeated Voldemort and that that's discounting the time when he was a baby and he defeated Voldemort 
So for him, this moment was more about defeating Voldemort's memory than saving Ginny. It's a really hard thing to accept for a 13-year-old, I think. 12-year-old. It's quite sad. And probably Ginny yeah. knows that. And of course, there's Percy. Why do you think Percy is so pompous? Is it like a way for him to distinguish himself from his brothers? Like I think that's definitely the case. Both his elder brothers are so much more accomplished than he can ever hope to be. His brother Bill is cool. His brother Charlie is dangerous. And both of them were really good students and mm-hmm. Quidditch players and everything. I think we had this discussion about Ron once, about how there is nothing he can do that can really surprise his parents or even please his parents. All of the achievements that any kid can do has been done before by his siblings. So I'm sure that Percy feels the same way. And not just his elder brothers. Percy's younger brothers are also really cool. The only way he can distinguish himself is by being more rule-abiding or law-abiding than his family, which is a little flippant with these things. And also being a little more, you know, old school because the Weasley family is pretty liberal when it comes to everything and Percy is moving towards this mm-hmm. space where he tries to be more conservative, more worried about how he looks in front of everybody. So I'm sure that it is all a reaction to him having these complexes when it comes to his brothers. Mm-hmm. And it's all fun because, I mean, it's not fun for Percy, but definitely his character being the way it is, is the reason Fred and George get so many amazing lines and they make all these jokes that are really funny. I really enjoy the way they imitate Percy's pompous nature and come shake hands with Harry and be like, oh, it's nice to meet you. Absolutely spiffing and all that. (laughs) Yeah, that is really funny. I agree. So the Weasley family decides to stay in Leaky Cauldron with Harry and Hermione. They have dinner and then they go back to their respective rooms. Sadly for Ron, he has to share a room with Percy. And Percy's badge is missing, Ron's rat tonic is missing. They are yelling at each other. Percy is accusing Ron of stealing his badge. For what reason? I don't know. The room is chaotic and Harry offers to help by going and getting Ron's rat tonic. On the way down though, he hears another pair of yelling voice and he realizes that it is Mr. and Mrs. Weasley. He does not want to linger, but he hears his own name and figures that he has the right to know what they're talking about now. So they're talking about Sirius Black and how he's out to get Harry. And this is a truth that most of the ministry knows, especially Fudge. They don't want to convey this to Harry because they don't want to scare him. And Mrs. Weasley thinks that that's the right approach. But I feel like Mr. Weasley has judged Harry and Ron right in the sense that they are kind of adventurers and they like to roam around and they will get into trouble. And this time if Sirius Black is waiting for them, that will become like really dangerous. So he wants to make sure that they know about it and they are on their guard at all times. But Mrs. Weasley thinks that since Dumbledore's there in Hogwarts, it won't be an issue. Sirius Black cannot touch Harry anyway. Yeah, you're right. In the sense that Mr. Weasley is clearly the parent that has understood Ron and Harry more than Mrs. Weasley has, who's coming at this from a purely emotional angle. First thing I cannot believe about this whole discussion and the points that Mrs. Weasley makes is that he's still a child excuse. Seriously, after everything that Harry went through over the last year, how can she still use that? I think the fact that he had to go through all those things and lose a part of his childhood is the reason that she does not want to burden him with this. Maybe this year nothing would happen by the end of the year and they'll have a normal childhood. Who knows? That hasn't happened over the last two years. (laughs) 
Do you think Mrs. Weasley knows about the Philosopher's Stone and everything that happened there? Yeah, I think so. They were very publicly given points. So, yeah. So, that means she does know that as far as the track record goes, Harry is like zero to zero for like normal years. Yeah, exactly why you would want to give normalcy, right? I guess. But I also wonder what makes Mrs. Weasley think that Harry will be safe at Hogwarts given that all of the problems the previous year and the year before that were at Hogwarts. Yeah, and the whole thing about Dumbledore being the greatest wizard of all time doesn't fly. I know, like that really saved Ginny the previous year. <laughs> Their own daughter and Dumbledore was not able to do anything. I I found it really absurd. And Dumbledore got himself expelled also in the same year. Yeah. Technically he does help, I guess. I mean, it's because Harry's loyal to Dumbledore that Fox comes with the sword and you know himself but also he was the person to explain everything to everybody so naturally people assume that he was the reason that harry went down and saved jenny still absurd i think that at this point dumbledore is like a symbol of strength just like harry he has become like the stuff of legends and his abilities might have been a little exaggerated in the community as a whole i'm sure that's the reason mrs weasley's like if dumbledore's there they'll be really safe and i also found it really strange that they both referred to askaban cards it's a description and not a name i think at that point they did not want to introduce this term dementor because maybe jk rolling did not want the readers to be hung up on what dementors were she probably wanted us to worry about serious black and the threat to harry i guess creatures that suck like happiness out of you would have been really difficult to just randomly info drop in a conversation <laughs> yeah and it's a good thing that this happened because when we get to meet the dementors the effect is just awesome yeah it is super scary but uh, the funniest part about this is they are having this really intense and serious discussion about not telling harry something but they are shouting at each other so everybody who might be eavesdropping will be able to hear it yeah <laughs> and clearly eavesdroppers hear good things about themselves because harry needed to hear this i really love the way the scene is portrayed in the movie so there is no discussion in the movie between mr and mrs weasley about what needs to be done Mr Weasley kind of treats Harry like an adult and he goes to him with the truth directly. The scene starts at the Leaky Cauldron. Harry is with Mr Weasley and the rest of the Weasleys and at this point Mr Weasley pulls Harry away from the rest of the crowd. So all the fun and merry time that they are having just pauses for a minute because Harry has to go through something dark by himself. He pulls him into this alley and there are serious black posters all around. It's just the three of them now, Harry, Mr. Weasley and Sirius Black. Mr. Weasley reveals that Sirius Black has been mentioning that someone is in Hogwarts again and again just before he escaped. So they kind of think that it is Harry that he's after and Sirius Black was a dangerous mass murderer who killed 13 people. It's clearly something that Harry should be worrying about. And as he drops this revelation, the camera moves further and further away from Mr. Weasley and in the final point when Mr Weasley tells Harry to not go looking for Sirius Black Harry is framed completely alone with Sirius Black's poster kind of gives you the feeling that even though Harry has all these friends and the Weasley's family is supporting him and caring for him when it comes to real dangers most of the time it's Harry alone facing those dangers Harry making the decision to face those dangers right from the beginning this book has this dark tone and i think the movie also captured it pretty well at the first time i watched this movie i was way too young to have gotten that symbolism but i doubt that i would have gotten it now also so i'm glad that you explained it in such detail obviously this is not something 
that i got by watching the movie someone on youtube said it we'll add the link to the youtube video on our website i really do think that even though we were not paying attention to things like this when watching the movie the fact that all these things were thought through and all the symbolism was there makes the movie feel a little more deeper than the rest i agree like it's made by someone who's not just adapting it to the screen but trying to make it richer yeah but one of my only problems with this scene right like i've seen the scene that you just described it's really effective especially to the moment where harry says but why would i want to go looking for someone who's trying to kill me and that's it the scene just ends there so this works really well in the book i feel because mr weasley and harry have this conversation on platform 9 and 3 quarters that's when mr weasley decides okay i don't care what the minister of magic said i'm going to tell harry about what's happening so he tells him all of this and then harry asks like but why would i go looking for him and then the train starts to leave and harry has to leave this conversation and get on the train but in the movie there's no reason like that that prevents mr weasley from answering that question drama is a reason so absurd someone would have a conversation like that with me and then walk back to where we were having dinner i would stop that dinner and find out the answer someone's trying to kill me i want to know why <laughs> This reminds me of this friends dialogue. People have got to finish their stories. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just for dramatic effect and at that point that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm looking at Daniel Radcliffe's face. He looks slightly panicked and it's kind of giving me the chills. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, and I agree. Daniel Radcliffe does a really good job in that scene. I think one of my biggest problems with the third movie is that there are a lot of things introduced in the third movie, people and settings that didn't really resemble what i had already imagined and sirius black is definitely one of them the first time we see sirius black is in those wanted posters right and they show one of those here and he's doing all the screaming face things that he's doing on the posters and it just highlighted like how much i didn't like him <laughs> at that particular moment and i can never quite forget that every time i watch the movie i know we started watching this movie earlier this year yeah that's what i was thinking about even when i was watching the movie i was like i don't like you gary oldman like you are not my serious black i did not have a problem with gary oldman but i remember that initially i did have a problem with him screaming because i thought of serious black as this really deep person the mass murderer the really serious guy but if you notice in all the movies all the death eaters are a bit over the top even voldemort is over the top i agree dramatic effect i guess yeah but i'm not a big fan yeah i'm not a big fan either and i feel like a lot can be conveyed with silence and menace but it didn't feel like the movies understood that yeah dementors are more scary than voldemort and that's saying something yeah i agree i mean some of the scenes that i have seen recently from deathly hallows really drives home that impression for some reason in the movies voldemort just comes across as someone who's ruthless but it's much more than that he's a deeply dark wizard and he has the sense of you know he's the greatest wizard of all time and he's going after things that no decent wizard can ever think of being next to him should invoke a feeling of not just fear but or yeah i feel like that was not there yeah i agree i really didn't feel like i could fear or respect the madness yeah yeah let's go back to the moment where harry has to stop eavesdropping on this conversation because mr and mrs weasley are headed to bed so harry goes back up the stairs right and he has cabbage's rat tonic with him and he finds out that the people who actually took the badge are fred and george and they have enchanted it to say big head boy instead of head boy one thing is how did fred and george perform the magic underage wizards aren't supposed to be performing magic outside of school right like why isn't the ministry like screaming down on them yeah and it seems like advanced magic too 
right so i would normally be like yeah plots who cares but it's really hurtful considering that she uses the underage magic rule another time in book 5 and for like serious consequences harry performs magic to save somebody else and that ends up getting him almost expelled yet here fred and george are just enchanting badges happily outside of hogwarts and that's completely fine i think it's also about the location i feel like we read somewhere that it doesn't matter who performs the magic if it's coming from a place that's not supposed to be magical supposed to house a wizard that's when you get a warning by that logic then fred and george could actually perform magic in their home yeah. because that can be explained away as mrs weasley performing the magic and it does seem like they perform magic in book 2 i think there is a discussion about how there are noises from fred and george's room yeah but i assume those are just like chemical experiments i don't know i just that's what i assumed you're right it's not clearly explained saying like you know they did the magic they didn't do magic sort of thing but that's just such an unfair rap to like muggle borns i don't think this is the right explanation also i think the explanation is that it was not very well thought out i guess or maybe she missed this i think at this point she hadn't really thought out like the trace yeah the spell that makes sure the nonridge wizards aren't doing magic so she just put this in for giggles and now we are over examining it yeah <laughs> okay on that note let's move on to chapter 5 the dementor they all go to kings cross station in the morning Mm-hmm. to catch the hogwarts express poor ron not only does he have to share his room with percy he also has to sit next to percy in the ministry car on his way to the station yeah several things of note here the ministry has cars and not a flu network set up so that they can go straight from the leaky cauldron to king's cross you know without anything happening in the way i don't think the king's cross would have a fireplace would a train station have a fireplace i don't know it could be inside a station manager's office Yeah, a Muggle station manager's office. I don't know. I just wondered why the ministry would use cars instead of the flu network. I think it's just like the train itself, which is Muggle invention, but the wizards use it because it doesn't attract too much attention. It doesn't look like too many children are traveling in magical means to an unknown location. Yeah. Plus, there's that fun boarding school feels to it, right? I think it's an integral part of Harry Potter. Before they actually get on the car. Harry observes that Mrs Weasley is talking about love potion to Ginny and Hermione and all three of them were rather giggly. When I first read it this line really stood out for me because up to this point the only girly thing that we know from Ginny and Hermione is that Ginny is into Harry. With respect to Hermione there's nothing girly about her at all. And this is the first time we see that they are growing up into being these women. That was really exciting for me to read. I don't know. I mean I was kind of horrified by this primarily cuz like i agree that as you know young teenage girls the idea of a love potion just does seem very appealing i was definitely the same way when i was that age but as an adult i don't know if i would be narrating it in a giggly manner <laughs> i am judging you mrs weasley not ginny and hermione i think the whole sensibility about the love potion taking away someone's will and everything we only come to know about it only after the seventh book right yeah that's true so maybe here she meant it in a a love potion you know enhances someone's looks or just yeah, makes somebody maybe, else seem more attractive maybe even mrs weasley might not have given it to someone it's they only talk about how she made it once and the idea of love is enough for 13 year olds to giggle right <laughs> it's fair it's set up nicely for you know hermione that's growing up yeah 
I did feel that Mr. and Mrs. Weasley were really brave, really one of a kind because they take mm-hmm. Harry's protection so seriously. They are willing to put their whole family at risk just so Harry can stay with them and be friends with their kids. I remember hanging out with kids who were slightly dangerous when I was in school. Wait, wait, you have to clarify the dangerous part. Not dangerous in the sense that a serial killer is following them, but dangerous in the sense that they will be bad influences. They won't get enough marks in tests. <laughs> they get into trouble. Looks like we had the same kind of childhood. Please continue. <laughs> and I remember that my parents never approved of anybody like that. I know that Harry is more of a hero than like a bad boy, but still it's it's really admirable to see that they think Harry is so important that they're willing to put their own family at risk. Yeah. I agree. I mean this whole charade with the ministry car and the staying over at Lake Colton. They actually go through a lot of inconveniences just to make sure that Harry has a good time. I agree. That's very like big-hearted of them. especially considering that Ron is already friends with what most parents would consider as the ideal friend Hermione yeah it's still it's amazing it also gives us a sense of who they are not just good samaritans but they are very much a part of the community right they want to make sure that Voldemort doesn't come back in power because they are all about doing the right thing which also meant protecting the person who stands as a symbol for the good in the wizarding world yeah i agree so everybody understands that they have gotten ministry cars because harry needs the protection even harry is starting to understand why all this is happening because now everything clicks into place why the minister of magic let him go after performing underage magic with aunt marge and why he was not expelled why fudge was waiting for him in the leaky cauldron and everything yeah and why he was allowed to stay at the leaky cauldron yeah so it's all because of serious black And I really like how J.K. Rowling adds these tiny touch of humors in places that I least expect. When Harry is talking about the Ministry car, he says, The Ministry of Magic cars seemed almost ordinary, though Harry noticed that they could slide through gaps that Uncle Vernon's new company car certainly couldn't have managed. We get the sense that the story is said from Harry's point of view all the time. There's only this tiny difference, right? You could have just said, a muggle car would not have been able to do it but because you're saying from harry's point of view and harry's only source of comparison is uncle vernon's car he talks about that these tiny things really really make up for all the plot holes and unexplained stuff in harry potter yeah i agree so they make it to the platform mr weasley's like having this serious conversation with harry while mrs weasley hands out sandwiches that she made at the leaky cauldron yeah they also magically disappear because once harry gets on the train he wants to tell hermione and ron everything that's been going on like what he overheard they shoo away ginny okay i unfairly said they ron shoos away ginny yeah and they go to find an empty compartment it's an empty ish compartment because it has a sleeping man in there that they identify as professor rj lupin but they're still like i don't care everybody else seems to know what's going on we're going to discuss these events here anyway and harry fills them in on everything that's been happening so far yeah and i think his friends have a more appropriate reaction to this news than he did because harry's first worry when he heard about serious black was that he would not be allowed to go to hogsmeade such a teenager thing <laughs> but ron and hermione are both horrified at this and they don't have harry's confidence about how he's met voldemort so many times serious black is a person who murdered 13 people that sounds much more scarier than this spirit of voldemort that's roaming around and taking over bodies yeah <laughs> yeah it's more physical immediate threat right rather than like a long con plan whatever voldemort has 
Yeah, it feels like this is a very normal, it almost feels like a threat in the Muggle world. A mass murderer trying to get to you. They do react more appropriately than Harry does. But they also change subjects really quickly. When Harry worries about how he won't be able to go to Hogsmeade, they both start talking about Hogsmeade. I think their descriptions of Hogsmeade really tell you about the two of them as characters. It's this sweet shop, said Ron, a dreamy look coming over his face, where they've got everything. Pepper imps, they make you smoke at the mouth, and great fat chocoballs full of strawberry mousse and clotted cream and really excellent sugar quills which you can suck in class and just look like you're thinking what to write next. But Hogsmeade's a very interesting place, isn't it? Hermione pressed on eagerly. In Sites of Historical Sorcery, it says the inn was the headquarters for the 1612 Goblin Rebellion, and the Shrieking Shacks supposed to be the most severely haunted building in Britain. And massive sherbet balls that make you levitate a few inches off the ground while you're sucking them, said Ron, who was plainly not listening to a word Hermione was saying. I've always fancied myself more as Hermione, because who doesn't? But clearly I'm Ron, because all I really talk about when I talk about a place is the food there. Yeah, they do switch topics and I also noted that down. And when they're talking about this, I think the sneakoscope also goes off and they are not worried about why that went off at all. I know, who's the untrustworthy person? I thought about it and I couldn't figure out who that was. I think it's made to seem like it might be Lupin. But to be fair, when I was reading the books, I didn't really pick up on the sneakoscope thing at all. I didn't even register that it happened. From the beginning, we are made to seem like Lupin is the school person and all, but is he really trustworthy? This is the first very tiny step in that direction. I guess. It could be Malfoy. While after the sneakoscope goes off, Malfoy comes in and he's like, hey, it's the potty and the weasel. Look, if it's Malfoy, that sneakoscope can tell the future and clearly these guys are underusing it. Yeah. And second, what kind of an insult is potty and the weasel? Is it some kind of cultural reference that I'm not getting? Potty is the toilet. Weasel is a weasel. I think potty might be clever, but weasel is just... Okay, so you're comparing me to an animal that my last name is anyway based off. That's how insults when your children work. Yes, I feel like Malfoy's really lost his edge with respect to insults. I think he'll get back. We are just seeing him for the first time in this book. Let's wait and watch. I found the conversation between Malfoy and these three really telling because Malfoy doesn't know about the new teacher at all, which means Lucius Malfoy is still not on the board of governors, right? He was removed at the end of the last book because of all his antics before it. So the minute that these guys are like new teacher types, Malfoy is just like, I'm done sending you guys weak insults. I'm just going to leave now. After Malfoy leaves, the train is moving through hillside areas and it's raining and all these descriptions made me really want to be on the journey because it sounds so cool and so pleasant. I thought I saw you longingly look outside now. Man, I'm in this horrible Chennai weather. (laughs) And I could be (laughs) in this beautiful rainy weather. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I was looking at my balcony. I agree. It's the kind of weather where, you know, you'd want to drink tea and probably eat something. Yeah, you really want to be on a train and reading and being with your friends. But I feel like the atmosphere is really wasted on these guys. Also because of the things that happen right after that particular description. So something gets on the train and it's nothing like anything Harry has ever heard about or read about before. For one thing, there's its appearance. It's a dark robed figure 
and the only thing that harry can see of the creature itself is its hand and it's this rotten skeletal looking hand but what is actually worse than its appearance is the way that it makes him feel like everything around him has suddenly gotten very cold a complete change from that pleasant rainy environment we were discussing earlier yeah it's almost as if that's exactly why the environment was described to us before that that rainy environment is cozy and friendly and it's the type everybody wants to be in but the moment this thing comes near the compartment it's really depressing <laughs> that's the right word it's really cold and harry starts hearing this woman screaming in his ear and he he passes out even neville and ginny join these guys in the compartment once the train launches to a stop and the power goes out it looks like neville and ginny had bad reactions too but nobody fainted rather than harry and nobody heard a voice either this is really embarrassing to harry because what 13 year old boy wants to find out that he has a more delicate constitution than his friends harry is not used to being the weakest person in his group of friends so he definitely feels bad and obviously malfoy is not going to let him forget it to make matters worse as soon as he gets to hogwarts he is called separately by mcgonagall she wants madam pomfrey to examine him and find out if he has had some lasting effect madam pomfrey though is finally happy with one teacher in the whole school because after the dementors visit harry is pretty shaken and lupin gives him chocolate and he kind of recovers after that and madam pomfrey completely approves of it but i love her line when she sees harry no oh, it's you is it i suppose you've been doing something dangerous again actually pretty early on in this set of chapters harry says something like i don't go looking for trouble trouble usually finds me which is not true at all harry is incredibly nosy and he is the one who goes looking for trouble i agree intentions might be honorable like he went to save jenny and he did not want wrong people to get the philosopher's stone and all that but it was not his job to do it he was not asked to do it he was just curious and nosy and he had this hero complex and he wanted to do it he is the very definition of going to look for trouble and this isn't even the first time he brings it up if i remember correctly he does this in philosopher's stone as well right where he's like i'm not going to go looking for trouble and then he does it almost immediately like who are you kidding harry <laughs> he just can't help himself he's a hero yeah so harry this incredibly embarrassing conversation with magonagall and madam pomfrey McGonagall thinks that Harry should stay in the hospital wing just to make sure that there aren't any adverse effects from the dementor and Harry cannot possibly think of anything worse than staying at the hospital wing at the end of this day if it's after a quidditch incident then that's totally okay see that's a badge of bravery this is unclassified territory <laughs> so he gets sent back to the feast We don't find out at that point what Hermione and McGonagall are talking about but I am furious on Hermione's behalf that Ron doesn't even ask Hermione why she was called into McGonagall's office That's true but as we move on in later parts of the book we'll see that Hermione's mysterious behavior is always being noticed only by Ron Yeah because Harry truly does not care what Hermione does <laughs> Yeah he never notices like oh she's up to something or she's not showing up where she's supposed to be you know The very next day Ron notices that Hermione's timetable is simply impossible because she has multiple classes at the same time and even though Hermione is taking all the classes there are even though Hermione is like the brightest witch of her age she cannot be at multiple places at once yeah <laughs> so they go back to the feast and Harry brings Ron up to speed quickly on what happened and we find out like a lot of exciting things at this feast first up is Hagrid is the care of magical creatures teacher which is why 
there is a biting book yeah that would make total sense <laughs> and that the professor that was in their compartment is the new defense against the dark arts teacher and of course snape doesn't already like the new defense against the dark arts teacher and it's pretty cool that madam pomfrey's approval kind of makes us also feel like the defense against the dark arts classes are not going to be a joke anymore it was pretty exciting to know that this time we'll actually see something yes like some part of the dark art that people keep talking about and see how people defend it and everything yeah it is pretty exciting but i also want to talk about dumbledore's speech right i felt like dumbledore was a little bit more vague than he should have been when delivering his warning about the dementors i think if dumbledore had been more direct and called them something like i don't know creatures that suck the soul and happiness out of you no one would have gone near the dementors i'm not sure about that actually because if you go close enough you can feel it firsthand but the more dangerous you make it sound the more appealing it is to some kind of adventure junkies even for fred and george if they had not experienced dementors's effect first hand in the train i feel like they are the kind of people who will go looking for it but everybody would have experienced their effects on the train right i i don't think everybody did it's only their compartment that was searched i think okay because not everybody is shaken but mostly the people we know and care about they are the ones who talk about it that's true we don't know for certain if everybody experienced the effect of the dementors on the train i mean if they had dumbledore need not have even delivered a warning <laughs> he could have just been like what happened to you on the train that's what's going to happen to you all the time go <laughs> near them you should not feel like a dad devil or let's even take harry he might be like i expressed weakness when i saw dementors for the first time and i want to prove to everybody that i am not weak so i want to go near the dementors again to show everybody that i can take it i'm glad harry is not that type of a person i think he's very much the type of a person but he's just occupied by other worries usually i actually thought the opposite dumbledore's explanation of what dementors are was pretty spot on for students when you think about it he says dementors are not to be fooled by tricks or disguises or even invisibility cloaks he added blandly and harry and ron glanced at each other It is not in the nature of a dementor to understand pleading or excuses. Children are filled with excuses. Whenever they make a mistake, they think that saying something will get them out of it. So, I feel like Dumbledore's explanation was pretty perfect. Did you also notice how Dumbledore is described here? Professor Dumbledore, though very old, always gave the impression of great energy. He's still not my Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> No part of the first and second movie Dumbledore could be called energetic. <laughs> I agree with that. It's just I felt like the first and second movie Dumbledore had this sort of like gravitas some dignity to him that Michael Camden as Dumbledore just does not have. This might be because he wears a rubber band in his beard. I'm not denying that. It really bothers me. But I feel like he takes it a little too far. The problem with his Dumbledore is the exact same problem that we were earlier discussing about Voldemort and the other death eaters is that they're a little too energetic and a little too dramatic the funniest part is i feel like all the kids are really measured and subtle with their performances yes but none of the adults are some of the adults are yeah yeah some of the adults like nail their roles perfectly it's just, michael gambon is definitely not one of them when he delivers dumbledore's lines even some of my more favorite moments are completely destroyed i think it's a book to movie transformation only yesterday i was watching the sixth harry potter movie and i was left wanting in most scenes 
as the book reader i know that there is so many emotion going on in harry's head right now but none of it seems to be translating in the scene but i also realize that maybe the movie harry does not have all those emotions and i'm just projecting my book harry onto him i guess it might be a book to movie adaptation problem i agree moving on from dumbledore it's so cool about hagrid right harry and ron and even hermione are the reason hagrid got his name cleared people now know that hagrid was expelled unfairly and he was not the person who opened the chamber of secrets all those years ago so this meant that he is getting a second chance at at life it's so cool that he's being given this incredible opportunity in a field that he really cares about i agree it is super cool yeah something he can really teach and a field that he has a lot of practical experience in i really like the scene that follows the feast in the movies it's in the dormitory after harry gets there and all of the other gryffindor boys are there as well and they're doing that ridiculous game where each of them eats something and then who trumpets i don't think i remember clearly i think ron trumpets or i don't know i think it might be seamus ron is the one who roars like a lion and harry has steam gushing out of his ears and i thought that scene which is not in the books perfectly sets the tone of the film that you might think like you know there's all this other mysterious stuff happening there's a mass murder on the loose and stuff like that but these movies are about a teenage boy at boarding school and this is what teenage boys do at boarding schools especially magical schools actually everybody should be like fred and george but in the book we don't get to see a lot of having fun moments yeah we don't actually get to see a lot of harry just goofing off yeah type moments and just hanging out with his friends so it was nice or talking about something very inconsequential yeah or is doing something inconsequential so i thought the scene was really nice it made him feel a bit more normal but also i found it really funny that everybody had to act out certain things like ron had to roar and seamus had to trumpet and all that and daniel radcliffe got the easiest of the lot he just has to act like there's steam coming out of his ears yeah i agree <laughs> so with that we move on to chapter 6 talents and tidbits At the beginning of this chapter our favorite trio go to breakfast and learn about their new timetables for the upcoming year and Hermione is really perplexing because she has not one not two but three classes down for the same time divination arithmetic and muggle studies so Hermione is taking three classes but who cares about that because they immediately all set off to divination together Ron definitely cares about that Yeah Ron does ask Hermione what her solution is but she just says I've taken care of it with McGonagall and they're like content to let it drop because I guess they don't want to be drafted into helping her with notes <laughs> their first class is divination and all three of them set off to the north tower Yeah why does this castle not have any maps like at all <laughs> how is anybody supposed to know where what classroom is Isn't it like the antithesis of London <laughs> not having a map I guess maybe the intention is that you'll talk to your fellow students and you'll all figure out together. No, I don't think there's any intention. It was just not very customer friendly back then. <laughs> They're pretty much from the medieval era, right? And I don't know, having your life not laid out in very orderly fashion is what opens it up for adventure. I guess. So these guys follow the vague address of North Tower. and are a little bit lost but then they encounter this painting of sir cadigan who takes them to the divination classroom he seems like a bit of a character yeah 
I remember reading him for the first time and I was like, hmm, unless he's going to be really useful later on in the books, I don't think I care for him. I was also like, yep, I don't care about this character. Just like I don't care about you, Sneakerscope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually liked Ron's reaction to the character more than the character itself. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so they make it to the classroom and they're all like, okay, the trap door is in the ceiling. How do we go to this classroom? Like, are we supposed to predict it? Types thing. And then, it opens and a silvery ladder descends to harry's feet harry climbs up first and everybody climbs up after him and at once they can realize that this is not like any other class they have ever been to including potions or history of magic which is taught by a ghost yeah because for one thing there are no benches here there are just like cushiony chairs it's like a cafe it is a lot like a cafe i imagined a cafe type of setup in my head <laughs> they even get to drink tea yes and professor dralani like swoops in and does like a mystical introduction right where she attempts to like both set the tone for the rest of the year and impress her class by making a number of predictions including that neville will break his first teacup so i think if i had been in that class i might have immediately been impressed like oh how did you know about neville types but i think anybody who gives it a little bit of thought can realize that given the size of every class it's not too out there to assume that professor trelawney could have just overheard from the other teachers that the most clumsiest student in this year is neville yeah that's possible and also just based on observation right yes he trips over his feet if i remember correctly when he climbs up the trap door if you're involved in astrology and you are a charlatan <laughs> you're pretty much a genius who can notice anything and everything about people and know exactly what to say to make people feel better or to make people think that you are right i think from the beginning we are set up for a feeling of mistrust with respect to trelawney one of her first lines is i find that descending too often into the hustle and bustle of the main school clouds my inner eye nobody said anything in answer to this extraordinary pronouncement it's shocking but at the same time you know that this person is just like cooking things up right now i know it is definitely one of those sentences where you hear people say after that you're like what do i say now or like is everything that i say going to be really mundane in response but the kids pretty much get over it and in no time ron starts making jokes about her inner eye he says something like you need your inner eye testing if you ask me <laughs> so their exercise that day is to read tea leaves so they have to drink tea and based on the shape that the dregs of the tea have the future can be predicted and ron and harry are obviously partners in this exercise it isn't mentioned i think who hermione partners with ron and harry have a little bit of fun with it as always ron finds a lot of amusing things in harry's teacup but he also sees something ominous not in a professor trelawney sense of the word at all but ominous in a harry's like oh my god it is another big black dog like creature i don't know if they say that before trelawney points it out no he just says there's like a big like shape a sheep he thinks it's a sheep right he just thinks it's some big creature like thing and trelawney is the one who swoops in and reinterprets everything that ron has said into like a death omen for harry and harry's real like feeling of dread comes not from anything else that she said but he has seen something like that yeah actually when trelawney says that she can see the grim in the cup everybody is taken aback but harry is basically a muggleborn he doesn't know anything about these traditions and superstitions him and a handful more students are very confused about what it meant and trelawney is kind of irritated that her extraordinary pronouncement is not received in the same manner by harry so when she explains what a grim is 
He is only shocked because he has seen the exact same giant dog in Magnolia Crescent when he ran away from the Dursley's place. I find it strange that she predicts someone's death as soon as they come in. Because I was talking to an uncle of mine who dabbles in these astrology and I was asking him about what they would do if they read someone's horoscope and find out that that person is going to die very soon. And he was telling me that they would actually not reveal anything to the person. They would just suggest that they come back at a later time. Yeah, which just goes to show that how much of a giant fraud she is. It also kind of feels stupid for her to say something like that because if she's selling something, if she's saying that you saw the grim and I think you're going to die, but here, do this that way you won't die which is how the whole astrology business in India works if you have something to sell like that it makes a lot of sense or else you're just making a big pronouncement for nothing only for the effect of it and I think it's a toss up most people will not trust her after that but if some people do trust it they are going to be very loyal to her yeah and we can see this in effect in Professor McGonagall's class because when Professor McGonagall finds out that their previous class was divination, she immediately asks, okay, so whose death is she predicting for this year? So it's become a little bit of a joke or a tradition that McGonagall is aware of that Trelawney just likes to predict a student's death every year. I also wonder why she would do this, especially with respect to the events of the previous year, where I'm sure she predicted the death of a student and all the stuff about the Chamber of Secrets happened. If I were that student, I would have been terrified. Yeah, if she's been scarring students like this, that feels like something that the management should put a stop. In any case, after McGonagall kind of makes fun of Professor Trelawney, Hermione is feeling a whole lot better because even in the divination classroom, she makes it pretty clear that she doesn't think it's the grim and that she thinks that Professor Trelawney is a joke. I think Hermione identifies the most with McGonagall. Just the way maybe Harry does with someone like Dumbledore or Lupin. So when her role model kind of dismantles Professor Trelawney's arguments and makes fun of the branch as a whole, I think she pretty much puts the whole doubt to rest and she concludes that Trelawney is a fraud. She doesn't need anything more than that. Usually Hermione is like quite inquisitive and she wants to do the research before she believes something. But when it comes to something like this, McGonagall's word is the only thing that she needs. Yeah, because I think she trusts that McGonagall would have done the research. Yeah, it's just Hermione who's consoled by all this because the rest of the class clearly still thinks that Harry would drop dead at any point, including Ron. Yeah. But McGonagall's joke about turning his homework in was very funny. You look in excellent health to me, Potter, so you will excuse me if I don't let you off homework today. I assure you that if you die, you need not hand it in. That brings us to the end of today's episode. The next episode is called Hermione Visits Hogsmeade. We'll be covering the rest of Chapter 6, Talents and Tea Leaves, Chapter 7, The Bogart in the Wardrobe, and Chapter 8, Flight of the Fat Lady. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter. We're Valet on Dechim and Prashantni is underscore Mpras, M-P-R-A-S. And you can also follow our podcast handle at MimbleWimblePod. And we are at the same name in Instagram too. You can also visit our website, MimbleWimble.in. You can have a conversation with us over there. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Get back, you scurvy braggart! <laughs> <laughs>